Alright, so welcome to the show, welcome to the show. I am your host, the Afro Boy, Prince Unity, and this is the Lost African Podcast, where we talk about what? Um, Afro culture, Afro history, uh, financial literacy, and controversy. Um, as you guys know, every Wednesday, we do something along the lines of controversy, of social, political, our issues, our issues, whether they be internally, uh, whether you want to talk about it on, a, on an ethnic group level, as like us ethnically in the diaspora, as those who are Black Caribbeans and their internal issues, Black Latinos, their internal issues, or Black Americans and their internal issues. And then externally, the things that um, we have an issue with as a collective that we, for some apparent reason, struggle with talking about and can't get over, right? But today, uh, what inspired me to do this show which was uh, on Viola Davis and the the First Lady series is because she's betraying uh, Michelle Obama. And the article had popped up about the backlash that Viola Davis got for betraying Michelle Obama. And there were some clips that got released, right? And the clips, um, excuse me, but the clips, and one of the specifically ones was at the time I didn't know this that this was Barack that she was addressing in the scene. I thought that this was just some black man. And you know, she was adamant about saying that as she betrays Michelle Obama, that you know the the, the brother uh is is cooing to some and is he not recognizing that he's he's a nigga to the world. This is just the truth. This is exactly how the scene goes. She's like, uh, do you not know that you may be perceived as, as a coon? That, that you is a nigga in this world? And I was like, whoa, what, what portrayal is this? Like, how is this going to unravel? What is the rabbit hole that we're going down? But the first thing that came to my mind when I read the article about her getting the backlash was all through the concept of what we symbolize the Obama family to be. The pedestal and the throne that we place them upon because of the historical triumph that them as a family, uh, him specifically um, as a black man in America had accomplished the weight of that, right? And they speak about it in the show. But what that meant to us as a collective was priceless. It's priceless. So it made me look at it from the aspect that they didn't want to get that picture frame, that perspective, that view of the First Lady Obama, the Obama family, Barack Obama tarnished in any manner because how high of a high of a standard we place them uh, as a depiction of greatness for us next to like Nelson Mandela, King, and, and Malcolm, right? That's how high they were placed upon this pinnacle of showing that we can accomplish something, improving it, especially in Black culture. Like for a lot of Black Americans, for a very long time, like before Obama became president, this was almost factual, literally almost factual 
depending on the, the majority, if you were to put it on a stat, if you was to ask us, could we become the president? I can almost guarantee you before Obama, someone probably would have chuckled at you because of the reality in which we were based to believe in that we can get high, we can get high upon success, whether we believe that internally or whether we say that externally, but there's a ceiling, right? There's a cap. And then Obama became president and that ceiling shattered, shattered. But I realized that looking at them, we sort of polished up blackness. And I think we forgot that blackness can get dirty too. And the reason I originally named the, the episode this was because in the First Lady series, you get a small glimpse of the woes and worries of the black family and even probably of uh, us as black Americans, black nation, like the, the woes and unstrung amount of triumphs trying to get to this point and what it meant to even take this action, right? So uh, the show entails around basically uh, what a woman must endure being the wife of a political figure, especially someone who's a president. That's what they call the first lady, right? Um, and, and from, I believe this is the first lady, uh, Roosevelt, who goes and, and they, they talk, it's not just Michelle Obama, but that is where I focus on, but I do peep some of the things that they try to get off from the other first ladies, like uh, First Lady Ford, I believe that's Gerald Ford, and then First Lady Roosevelt. Uh, President Roosevelt's wife, President Roosevelt's wife, and President Ford's wife, right? Um, President Roosevelt's wife basically talks about uh, them underestimating the endurance of the woman, right? To the point of that you never know, she used a, a metaphor of a tea, a tea bag. She says, you never know how strong or or how withstanding the hot tea bag is until it's in water, basically, right? Because because if you look at it from a literal standpoint, a tea bag has this string, this little string that you drop the water in, and the string looks like it, it'll snap at the glance of any weight, like it will just break. And you submerge it in water, however you want to get scientific with it, but the weight of that should snap the string, and it doesn't. It holds up. The little thing stands on the end, and it, it does whatever it's doing. So it defies what you perceive it will do, right? Now, um, we're going to get back into Michelle, right? Mrs. Obama, First Lady Obama. Michelle, in her first few scenes, goes back all the way to Chicago, right, in 2008. And she's waiting for Obama to pull up. And when he does, you see more worry in her eyes than happiness at the time. And at first I couldn't put my finger on it. But then I realized what it was. 
in that same scene, they veer over to uh, the ambulance. There's an ambulance that rides with the caravan. Now, what I am coming on the assumption is this. The ambulance is in the case of a medical emergency in the form of if something happened to the president, life-threatening on whatever occasion or situation that may be. Because her face sort of glances over in extreme worry as soon as he gets out the car, like a piece of her breath sort of just flies away. Life flies out of her body when he first gets out the car. Uh, and I realize that's because of her woe of him being a political figure, especially on taking the mantle of becoming the president. Now, um, they move on into a few other scenes and they get to the White House. And when they get to the White House, uh, they're greeted by the Bush family. Uh, I remember this happening in real life. So greeted by the Bush family, they take them through like the walkthrough of the house, what to expect. Uh, is what they call the tr transitioning of power, right? This is, you know, what to expect. This is what the house does. These are what these people do. And when they first get into the house, uh, I do not know if this person is real or not, but I'm pretty sure that um, in some capacity, there were uh, waiters and waiters who have been um, in the service of the presidencies for many, many years. Because there's a waiter by the name of Wilson, right? And the way Wilson looks at First Lady Obama and Barack Obama is almost the epitome of how we, as an entire people, looked at them. As if they were sent from God themselves. Literally. Literally. I would joke about this, but I almost thought it was kind of true. I used to say, after the inauguration, if Barack Obama would have told all the black folks, if he would have just got on the mic and told all the black folks I want y'all to go outside and clean up the neighborhood. Clean up the neighborhood. Do a day, a week's worth of community service. All the black folks would have did it. I, I, I really feel like that. In, in that first week, if he would have asked us to, to, to damn near do anything, hop over tables, jump over cars we probably would have did it because that is how monumental the act was it was so real it was unbelievable i'm talking about crying from here to timbuktu it was just all every, every almost every black every black person that they waved across the camera that was active just, just crying ass out, crying, 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 crying. Because that's how heavy the weight was. Because for the first time, from our perspective, not it, not anybody else's, it, it was it was probably dope to see because you believed in the vision and what he stood for. But for us, for us, it was 
God answering prayers, right? Probably one of the most pitiful moments next to the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, I'm serious when I say that. Probably one of the most pinnacle moments next to the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, but Walter, the waiter Wilson embodied that, right? The love, the admiration, and the shock um, when they first pulled up to the, the White House. And the reason I said it is because in the scene, the same scene, um, Mrs. Bush... Uh, George W. Bush's uh, wife says that Walter Wilson has been I mean, my bad, not Walter. The waiter Wilson has been serving the presidency since 1952. Remember, when did segregation end? Segregation in civil rights you know, started and the integration was around 1965, 1964. Um, so that's 10 years prior to uh, segregation. And then you got to realize where he's standing. I know a lot of people don't like to don't think about this when they speak it, but there's a black man standing in the White House. The White House. There's a black man who is the president standing in the White House. So the White House wasn't like a figurative term, right? Like it wasn't a figurative term when it first was built by black people. Yeah, I'll, I'll take credit for that. When it first was built by uh, my enslaved ancestors. No, it was literally the White House. So you're talking about 400 years of, of triumphs to see these beautiful melanated people walk into this building. And he tried his hardest not to cry and that thing. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Uh, but another thing was when Michelle was getting showed around the house as we go through the episode, uh, she walks in the dining room and she stops at a picture which I believe is George Washington, right? Oh, my bad. But uh, it's George Washington, and he's standing over uh, this black slave, or in other terminology, a moor, um, holding what looks to be like gumbo. But like it looks like it's probably like gumbo or porridge or something. Um, basically, it's a slave serving him beneath him. And the portrait's hanging on the wall. Now, remember, this portrait has probably been hanging there since the beginning. No one took it down. No one thought it was offensive because no one prior to the Obama family had to look at it from that perspective. It's a portrait of people who look like them, who ran the presidency, were the founding fathers, who 
And this is the thing. The way we looked at the world was different. We were raised to look at the world, look at America in a different light. This is the truth. And these are the things that they spew out, whether directly or indirectly, in the show. Now, uh, she lets them know, Mrs. Bush lets, lets her know about uh, Mrs. Obama about what she is prepared to expect. Uh, breaks down that her new life, the good, the bad, all the judgments and everything, right? Uh, Mrs. Ford, who talks about losing her husband and gaining a politician. Because, because they do go around in their aspects of lives and what they have to deal with as, as women, because this is a probably very dominantly about women show. But I want to talk about it mainly from a a black people's aspect, right? What I I got from it when I read the article about Viola Davis. Um, So I watched the show. I watched the first episode. And this is the portrayal of that, if you didn't catch it. But she talks about, you know, uh, having to go to therapy to deal with the fact that she had to give up her husband for a politician, right? In this political game, in this presidency game. Um, and then they go to 1974, right? Um, now, I didn't understand why, because they were showing, like, old pictures of black people and the Ez- Ezbiz- mm. Ebenezer Baptist Church, right? In Atlanta, Georgia. And they were, like, they were talking about the, the mother of MLK Jr., he, who was shot and dead. And I didn't I didn't know that. This wasn't really, really spoken about. Junior's death was was spoken about. Every, every black person talked about that, but not really his mom's death. Uh, but Miss Ford attended the funeral to pay respects to the King family. And they talk about uh, her pushing the narrative along with... Um, First Lady Roosevelt pushing the narrative for change. And Roosevelt was women's change, women getting uh, positions in, in, in government and, and recognition that they were able to do this, and more so probably Mrs. Ford's direction on racial inequality, right? Uh and then it goes on to uh, back to the wolves, especially of the scare of Michelle Obama and her losing her husband, right? Because then in later in the show, they show documents about uh, threats on the president and probably threats on, on uh, Obama and his family. Uh, but it also goes into her initiatives, right? who she was as a woman because she has a degree. She's an intelligent woman and a lot of people don't, I don't think, give her creed and acknowledge her as that, that she is more than just uh, Barack Obama's wife. This is an intelligent black woman with a degree from Princeton um, who triumphed over her own struggles, her own obstacles and pushed initiatives for us in the city, for black people in the city. Um, they says that Miss Obama 
uh, speculative because I don't know they're they're paraphrasing or that if this is the actual uh, initiatives that she was pushing, but basically uh, was working on a Southside Healthcare collaboration for underserved communities and and, and workers and Black people to get healthcare that they need, um, and and a government funded program to help with this, similar to. Uh, what we now know, or what what is politically called the Affordable Care Act, what, is so, what was socially called as Obamacare. So, I feel like there's an underlying sort of gratitude that we should give to Michelle Obama because, remember, behind every man, they say is a great woman, and that woman can influence that man's life tenfold. So maybe she was the catalyst that pushed the ideals to get what we socially know as Obamacare into real legislation. It's just my speculation, but to say that says a lot. Um, now, there's one last portion in the scene of the show before we close. Um, after they have their argument, because she's venting about her woes, about um, the fear of losing him going through this race, right? And in so many words, as she asks, you know, how are we after they have their disagreement? He says, you know, baby, we're fine, but I need you to understand why. I keep going and it kept going to the point to where he became the president. He tells her a story about an old lady who stops him, grabs his hand, and says, you know, Mr. Barack, I sure hope you become the president so I can stop lying to my grandchildren about them saying or being anything they can be. Because that's what it was. Remember when I said this in the beginning? We literally believed that we can have success, but there was a cap. There was a ceiling on it. And the moment he became the president, it shattered. It shattered. You you couldn't tell a black man and the black woman in those notions in that first year, those first terms that we couldn't do or be anything. Those words could not be uttered because we proved that we can climb the mountaintop. Like, regardless of however you politically uh, perceive achievements for the Obama family, I would never, never take away that historical moment. Never. Regardless if some believe that it had more impact as symbolism versus concrete, that's neither here nor there when we talk about the impact in general. Talk about the impact in that moment in general. I'd relive it a thousand times over. Thousand times over. Especially probably especially from my granddaddy. Especially from my granddaddy. What? What? 
And I never thought, I never, that's what I'm going to call and ask my grandma. I got to. Because I never thought to ask her, what did that mean to you? Because remember, they they experienced and lived through real, like, hardcore racism. Hardcore racism. Hardcore segregation. The pushback from integration. Because it was not pretty. If you listen to any of my podcasts, especially when I re- when I did the podcast on the them series, the motion into integration was not pretty. But I wanted to talk about this because I wanted to talk about the community and to the collective that um we cannot idolize, worship, and admire these black people without acknowledging that they are still everyday black people that they feel and have all the worries as a family, as individuals, as black women, as black men that we have and we wake up with. It may be in different settings. It may be even be harsh. It may be 10 times harder in their existence because they have to live up to the triumph of being that black mantle that it isn't always clean that there's some dust on it but th- that dust is our reality that dust is our culture that dust is laying that shit out on the table because it's what is it a lot of things that said in there's the things that we worry about and exist in every day And we have to realize that they are people. They are people. They are great people. They are people that we will love probably to the end of time. But they are people. Um, and that was just my notion for today. That's what I wanted to speak on. Because um, it, it moved me. It moved me and I knew that uh, there is a mass or a majority or, or a sector of the black community, the black diaspora who, who think as a black collective who were like, man, we didn't like that because they framed the Obama family, Mr. Obama and Mrs. Obama in this capsule. Because they framed them in this capsule. They didn't let them be black men and black women. They were the black men and black women instead of just regular black men and black women. But uh, that's my piece. Make sure you like, share, subscribe uh, to the Facebook page, to the YouTube, All African Podcast. And follow me on Instagram and TikTok, Afroboy underscore Prince Unity. And I will holler at y'all later.